Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have each of you with us today. This month, we've been talking about seasons of blessings, and what we've been looking at is one of our old, old hymns, Oh, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And we've just kind of been walking through that great, great hymn. Uh, We're in a time period of thanksgiving and thankfulness, and so we've just been kind of going through that, and we will kind of continue with that today as we look at some different expressions in that. Robert Robinson wrote this hymn back in 1757. It's a really old hymn. And in our first uh, lesson on this, we talked about that little phrase, tune my heart to sing thy grace, teach me ever to adore thee, and the wonderful idea of learning how to adore God. Our second lesson, we've talked about that little phrase, Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. We kind of chase that through the Old Testament, and what does that really mean? What is an Ebenezer? And then last time we talked about how Jesus sought me when a stranger and how God has never given up on each of us. And so today we're going to go through this uh, third verse here, talk about it and talk about some things within it, but then mostly focus on one phrase that's found in there. And we want to remind our listeners at the very end of this podcast, we're going to play a redemption of this uh, by a congregation and it's an opportunity for you to sing the hymn along with this. And to think about the different expressions and things we've talked about in this. And it's just a wonderful way to kind of put a bow and a ribbon on this little series here as we think about, oh, thou fount of every blessing. Yeah, verse 3, a powerful, powerful verse. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Roger, you mentioned we are going on uh, 250 plus years that, uh, that this hymn was written long ago. Language evolves, language changes. There are times that we sing these old hymns. We know they're profound. We know they're powerful, but maybe we don't know exactly what all the words mean. Yeah, and that's important for us because if, if you're seeing a word and you, don't, you have no idea what this word means, it's kind of hard to praise God with it when I don't even know, is this word about me? Is this word about God or whatever? And in this one hymn, Oh, the Fount of Every Blessing, there are several unique little phrases. I mean, I think most people have uh, stand out and see this idea of Ebenezer. That's not a word we use very often, <laughs> but that's not the only phrase in this hymn. Uh, we talked last time about that little phrase, interpose thy precious blood, and the idea of interposing. But in this third uh, uh, verse, there's also a couple other phrases that we want to just mention. He says, like a fetter, bind my heart. Yeah. Um, we don't use a what? What is a fetter? If I if I go over to a hardware store and says <laughs> I'd like to buy two fetters today, I don't know what they would say. They, they <laughs> might call the police on you. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, a fetter. I mean, would have been much more easily understood in the 1750s. It's a chain or a shackle. 
specifically for feet, right? So you think of maybe a prisoner in an ancient prison and down toward the base of the wall close to the floor is a chain connected to the wall and that chain the the binding at the end of that chain may be wrapped around someone's ankle that whole apparatus that is keeping that prisoner close to that wall in that cell would have been called a fetter and so All right, Uh, not the most pleasant image to think about on its own, but what the author of our hymn does is turn that on its head and acknowledge, okay, I am a debtor to grace. I am constrained to live a certain way for God. And so the prayer of verse 3 is, let your goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. God, on on my own, I am likely to wonder. On my own, I easily wonder, right? Especially if I fail to set my mind on things above and set them on earthly things. Well, I'm I'm going to wonder like a sheep, right? But the plea is, would you use your goodness to bind my wondering heart close to your good heart. It, it sounds very similar to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight: be steadfast, immovable. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so what the author here is doing is keep me in place, God. Keep me from wandering away from you. And, and I like to be tied to your heart. And, uh, he recognizes his, his proneness to wonder. Mm-hmm. And, and another phrase in this, uh, third verse he also talks about is seal my heart. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. What does it mean to seal your heart? Yeah, I mean, in ancient times, a seal would be wax that is heated up, right, liquefied, and maybe the king has something to communicate, and so it's put in an envelope, and that warmed up now, liquefied wax, there would be a, a, a dab of that, and the king would take his seal, some visual representation that everyone would recognize. Well, this is from that king. Each king would have his own uh, distinguished seal, and he would push that seal into that warmed up wax and then send it off so that the recipient could know, well, as I look at this, the seal is unbroken. This is an untainted, undamaged, unchanged message from the king. This is a deep, rich Bible idea, right? Especially when we think about the human heart. When God talks about a heart that is Far from him, a lot of times the way that it's described is hard, right? A hard heart. And so there are many characters in the Bible that needed to have their hearts warmed up and melted, if you will, and made malleable and then sealed by God as the sovereign. I, I think that's all that's that, that's being talked about here. God, don't let my heart be hard. Don't let my heart wander away from you. I'm presenting it to you. Would you take my heart? Would you seal it 
for your courts above. Again, I, I want to be a citizen of heaven. I want my mind set on you and on heavenly things. It, it's similar to in the book of Revelation where the righteous are said to have God's name written on their forehead. It's it's the idea of identification. We're sealed by God. Uh, book of Ephesians talk about being sealed by the Spirit. And it's the idea that I belong to God and I want to belong to God. Now, with this hymn, with so many hymns, there's a lot of poetry. And, and we have to recognize that as we read this and we sing this, that there's a lot of poetry in here. But one of the things that's really interesting to me, particularly when, when you do a little background look of the author, his life, and the writing of this hymn, is as he gets into this third verse, he says, never let me wander from thee, never leave the God I love. Uh, that is almost an autobiography of Robert Robinson. He is a period of his life when he left God, his period of life when he was doing all kinds of things that he recognized later that was rarely troublesome and wrong. He came back, but, but it's like he, he is writing from firsthand knowledge. Mm-hmm. I have wandered away from God. And now as he writes us him, he's kind of like reaching out. I never want to do that again. That that was wrong. And and so th- that leads us to just a couple of thoughts we want to kind of talk about here today. One of them is, why do we wander from God? You know, you know, God is presented to us in the be- in the Bible as the best, and He gives the best. Every good gift comes from uh, the Father of Lights. The Bible teaches us God is a giver of good blessings. We pray to God; He hears. It. If if God is pictured as a Father who loves us, He runs to us as the prodigal came back home. Why do we wander away from him? Yeah, well, <laughs> the prodigal came to have his mind set a long ways away from home, right? Uh, th- this lyric at the beginning of the verse, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. That got me thinking about Romans chapter 8. And that's exactly where Romans 8 takes us, right? Verse 5, those who live according to the flesh, why do they do that? They set their mind on the things of the flesh. Uh, Roger, I've heard you say before, long before the prodigal ended up in a far country, his mind left home, right? His heart left home. His heart started to wonder before his body, his muscles and bones actually left. Uh, Romans 8 verse 5 continues, those who live according to the Spirit, Set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. What he's advocating for is be careful where you set your mind. And then in verse 12, he reasons with us. So then, brothers and debtors, or brothers and sisters, listen to this language. We are debtors, not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Why do we wonder at times? Well, it's because our attention gets drawn away from our Father in heaven. Our affections follow our attention, and as our affections, 
affections go, so goes the wandering heart. In Hebrews 11, as, as the Hebrew writer is talking about Moses, it says in verse 25 that Moses, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And, and I think there's two, two phrases right there that really help us understand why people wonder. Number one, it is pleasurable. It's temporary, but it's pleasurable. Uh, you know, you know, we're not pulled away from God if sin was looked upon as massive heart surgery uh, or root canals. We, you know, we wouldn't, we would have no trouble with sin. There, there is a pleasure aspect of that. Uh, the prodigal thought about the far country, and there, there was a, there was a pleasure to that Satan always dangles trinkets before our eyes. He puts the glitter of the world before us, and what we don't see is it's superficial. He promises all kinds of things. But his promises are fake, and his promises are lies. And then this Hebrew passage also tells us that these pleasures of sin, they're passing. They're not enduring. They're not everlasting, as God is. And so so it's just like eating junk food. Um, you know, you, you, can, you can spend a lifetime eating Twinkies and donuts and, hot, <laughs> and, and, and cupcakes and, and those things, and, and all they taste great, uh, but, but they don't give you nourishment. They don't give you any help during the storms. Uh, it's like going to the ball game and you get that cotton candy. Man, you don't have to chew. It just melts in your mouth. How wonderful that is. But, but if you lived on cotton candy every day, you're going to die. Because it, it just is not going to give you what you need. God provides the substance to get us through storms. God provides the, the tools to build character and to be strong as God wants us to be. And so I think one of the reasons why we wander away is, as you said, we take our eyes off God and it's like a distraction. You know, you're, you're, you're looking at this and you hear a noise and you turn to look at the noise, wherever the noise came from, and that's Satan over there. And he's like that little monkey with the little little uh, symbols. He's just bouncing back and forth, and <laughs> and we, we we look at that, we marvel at that, but there's nothing to it. But the next thing we know, we start chasing that, and we go after that, and then we realize we're in a far country, we're in the wilderness, and we're lost, and we're hopeless, and we need help. And so it is easy, easy to wander away from God. Um, you take your foot off the accelerator. And that's what happens. And oftentimes, as a congregation, uh, we might see somebody who's not attending like they used to. But before that, long before that, there were some other things that were missing, things that were missing in their home. They stopped their prayer life. They stopped reading God's word. They stopped connecting with God's people. And, and what, you know, they're replacing those things with the things of the world. Uh, TV takes over their life. They, they spend more time with people of the world than the people of God. And pretty soon what happens is they just take a step away from God and then another step and then another step. And next thing you know is they have simply wandered away from God. You'll notice that the, the phrase there, it's very similar to the sheep in Luke 15 when uh, the shepherd had a 100 sheep and one was missing. Uh, most likely that sheep just wandered off. And it wasn't direct rebellion. It's just that he wasn't paying attention. And that's so easy to happen to us. Yeah, and, you know, we started this idea with the the figure of shackles. And that certainly gets the attention of a lot of people. God is telling us the truth when he says. We were in Romans 8 a moment ago. In Romans 6, he tells us the unvarnished truth that we will serve 
someone. We will serve something. Uh, I, I think we can all, when we're thinking clearly, we can recognize that the temptation is to believe, okay, if I turn my back on God, I can wonder and what I experience is real freedom. That, that's probably what that prodigal son that we referenced earlier had in mind, right? I, I've been here around dad and, and he's, uh, whatever, he's oppressive. He, he is, holding me much too uh, far accountable. I just want to do my own thing. And so if I leave home, I will be free. And the tragic reality that sin sometimes blinds us to is freedom is not leaving God behind. That is the path to be a slave to Sin. And so Paul reasons in Romans 6, don't you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. I will serve someone. What the hymn is reminding us of is, with obedience, I am tied to the goodness of God. With disobedience, I am tied to sin, slavery, and death. I must make the choice, which fetter am I going to attach myself, the goodness of God or my own sinfulness that will ultimately drown me spiritually? One of the things that that I think is really neat how this hymn is written is just the personal nature of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he uses the personal pronouns me, my, I multiple times. And so he, even as the expression we're talking about right now, how easily he could have said, never let us wander from thee. Mm-hmm. But he said, never let me. And I, I just have in my mind as, as he was dipping his pen in the, in the bottle of ink as they would use back in 1750s and he wrote that, he was thinking about his own life and never let me wander from thee, never leave the God I love. But but as you think about the title of this hymn, oh, the fount of every blessing, even though that had happened in this man's life, God let him come back. And that's, that's, the, that's the grand story of the gospel. That's the grand story of the prodigal son. Yes, he was in a far country, and we can have lesson upon lesson about how to avoid the far country, how to keep your eyes where it should be, how you need to stay home with God. But for some of us who have been out there, oh, the fount of every blessing is God lets us come back home. And, and I think that's where the hope and the salvation we need to see and appreciate so much from this great hymn. Yeah, some of the hymns that are most powerful, most enduring, the uh, the favorite hymns of so many just have the heart of the author dripping from the page. I, I think of Amazing Grace, written by John Newton, right? You know his story? He's a former slave trader, and he's the one that ultimately writes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. You think of Horatio Stafford that wrote, It is well with my soul. If you're familiar with his story, just unspeakable tragedy and the the loss of a wife and 
children that drives him to write in the immediate aftermath. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. It ought to be a reminder that even in the most difficult of times, God can use us as a blessing, not just for the people around us in the present, but perhaps for for generations to come. And, and, you know, to what you just said of these authors and so many more that we could add to this is that you and I have our own story. Yeah. And and you and I and, and all of our listeners have their own story. And the story is that God has pulled us out. God has not given up on us. God gives us a second chance. And when we grasp that idea and we realize what a wonderful, wonderful journey it is to walk with God Oh, the fount of every blessing. What a wonderful relationship that brings to us. We'll play a recording for you, for you in just a moment. Encourage you to think carefully about these powerful lyrics and, and even sing along. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast and especially the last four Friday episodes as we've walked through this hymn that reminds us of our incredible blessings. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come. Oh,